we stand on the unceded lands of the Kuli Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples, custodians of the lands on which we work, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Prologue. I think I read this, uh, I forget where, uh, but it's been a while, that as a grown-up, you reach a point where you have met a cast of characters that sit in your head and everybody else that you meet, you can place them in one of those characters. Um, When you meet someone new, you match them against a set of characters that you have in your head. It could be your stepmother, for instance. It could be your English teacher. That, that one character that you'd know so well growing up, um, maybe out of them encouraging you, maybe out of them being heartful to you, that they have left an imprint in your life that everybody else that you meet, you try to sort of run them through that stencil and see where they place. Uh, although sometimes... I have to say that I might get it wrong. Um, you know, if you, in a, for instance, a people watching experience and you at a cafe or a, I don't know, a festival, and you bump into someone, you meet someone, and you automatically. It's human. You automatically try to import that person into your set of characters and see whether or not this is worth your time. Do you want to proceed? Do you? How much time are you going to allocate this interaction? Uh, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it fails you. Sometimes you get it wrong. And... I say this because I met, I was at a festival and I saw uh, a lady and I thought after the first, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of me watching her do her shtick uh, as a co-MC, I, I formed an opinion about her. And I wrote down a script based on the opinion that I formed about her. Um, But then I, I don't know, months down the road, I invite her to have a conversation with me. And she's sitting in front of me and this is what I say to her. I'll, I'll, I'll play the tape. And just to set this up, um, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to search for clues about her upbringing and uh, see whether that completes this puzzle that I have about her and the way she was brought up. All right, let's take a listen. Do the books. 
but don't forget to leave mm. as well what does that mean leave don't forget to leave leave your life really oh yeah 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 that's a yeah, good yeah. dad oh my dad opened a club at 34. a night club yeah yeah Oh wow! He was the first one to bring in artists from overseas from into into Sudan. Well, he's gonna tell me not to live my life. <laughs> <laughs> but books first. Yeah. Books first, and then let's go. Yeah. Then then we can enjoy ourselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we had a good balance, but a really good balance. Um, did you? Okay, where I was going with that is um. Uh, because you had, uh, you know, dad who was educated or well balanced uh, to your answer. Um, did you have a pressing need or were you leaning into a particular career, but you sort of felt like do this rather than that? So this is interesting because I think someone asked me the other day the same question, I think it was. And I remember when it was time to choose the preferences for university. Mm. I don't think any of us kids picked our preferences. He did. Right. It's like, uh, you are going to do nursing, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I wanted to do teaching. Yeah. Teaching was my first preference. Yeah. It was like, now, do nursing. And then you can, <laughs> if you feel like teaching later on, go. But you're doing nursing, it's more... You know, um, transferable skills. Mm. You can work anywhere, you can go anywhere, you can travel with it. Mm. So, you're doing nursing. And he applied. He, not me. Applied. He applied. <laughs> he, he put nursing, social work. I remember he put nursing, sh- social work. Um, sorry, yeah, nursing, social work. Uh, and then teaching. I think teaching was number three. I don't remember because you, you have to put six. Mm. And teaching was number three. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, guess that's what we're doing. Nursing, so yeah. we did. Yeah. All of us, each, I think for all for all of us kids, he chose what we were going to do in university. Mm. Stephen, you're going to do law and economics. Mm. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Wani, you're going to be pharmacy. You are a pharmacist. Tonga, finance. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> I think in his head he was just like, uh, who's going to help me with my businesses? Yeah. And how? Yeah. Mm. I need a lawyer, I yeah. need a financial person. Yeah. I need a pharmacist to continue with the pharmacies. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All of you. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's go. Um, and, and so, obviously, you pivoted from nursing to, educa- to uh, education later on. Yeah, and this came, well, I, I think I would have continued with nursing yeah. had this not come around. But again, I think this is also God's work, you know, where your heart or what you're um, supposed to be doing will align somehow. Mm. And it has. It's taken me 20 years in the wilderness, mm. but finally. <laughs> and and I, yes, now we're, we're here teaching. I really enjoy it. I feel at home. So on the teaching part, um, I couldn't quite make out something when I showed up at the festival, right? So I show up at the festival and I see you on stage roving back and forth, holding the mic. Um, and 
in my head I was thinking, um, are you like from a, like you come across um, as if you were um, maybe mimicking a politician? Oh, no. No. Um, anyway, that, but now, now that you say that you're a teacher. Makes sense. It does make sense. <laughs> because um, one of the things that um, I, I, I don't know where do you get this part from. Um, you emceeing at the crowd at one point and then you ended up saying, um, or I think you want, you wanted to change the music and the crowd say no. And oh, and you said you know the boss of me something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you where you have a mode of switching between funny and serious, and so it's really hard to know whether I'm joking or not right. joking. Sometimes, yeah, right. yeah. But also the crowd, some of them <laughs> have been there for such a long time, right. or, or have come for so many years. Right. So I can play about with them. Mm you know and and mess with their with, with their heads a little bit mm. and it, it 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 works out to be so much fun okay you know yeah and they enjoy it yeah. you know and and later on that day you know you find everyone coming up to me going yes we're the boss yeah. you know you're or you're not the boss <laughs> or something smart yeah. you know so i i i, I love interacting with them mm. you know it, it's good fun when you sort of instructing the crowd um I'm, I'm trying to pinpoint your upbringing which I, does not necessarily have to be my upbringing but i kind of feel like uh there's a blanket sort of upbringing in africa um which is there's a level of timidity like you know bubbly da, da, da. Uh, I'm sure people who are in theater can take off that court easily and just become whoever they want to be public yeah. um, but for your case did you do you ever have that did you ever have that moment of I have to be this humble blah 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 I have to be this timid blah 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 no no uh, also because I went in a very roundabout way of asking of that asking, question. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, I think the only place we were we 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 needed to be quiet was church. Other than that, be yourself hmm. and do what you. Remember, my parents are also loud people. Okay. My my mother laughs as loud as I do, perhaps even louder. <laughs> All right. You know, and same. And our house was never empty. Hmm. Never. Like Saturday, Sunday, or if it's not our house, it's at another uncle's house. The parents were there, you know, the men outside in a, in a, a little circle, mm -hmm. you know, the beer yeah. in the middle yeah. with the spirits, yeah. music blaring, enjoying themselves. My aunts and my mum in the living room, living their best lives. Never was there a moment where, you know, anyone was told or any of the children are told behave yourself or quiet down or or you're too loud or anything of that sort so we, we were never ever hushed you know um always encouraged to be ourselves uh, per se but but no 
not behave yourself in 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 way of like you know calm your personality down mm. or you know nah okay no. so what i'm asking there um is i'm trying to i'm trying to ask um and i'm taking myself back to that place and it's uncomfortable because i am you know i am wrong in that assumption because i'm asking her um hey i thought you were this person um however i mean this is a question that i'd set myself to ask her but it wasn't the question that i asked her out of the gate it's a question that i asked her much further down the road and i think that might have complicated why i was having trouble asking other question because i already knew that i was wrong asking that question oh and i should say this is a brand new podcast called in curiosity complex and we're exploring how community how neighborliness in modern australia is perceived and how how it manifests itself my name is chris and over the coming weeks i will bring you multiple episodes on a given topic we'll kick off with diversity and inclusion from a standpoint of black australians in melbourne we're going to call that nice black Aussies. anyway so back to the show so as you can hear she answers me and um it reminds me of this passage that i read um years ago and it rings true which it, uh, i'll read it for you i'll read it for you here it is um it goes you fight your superficiality your shallowness so as to try to come at people without unreal expectations without an overload of bias or hope or arrogance and yet you never fail to get them wrong you get them wrong before you meet them while you anticipating meeting them you get them wrong you get them wrong while you're with them and then you go home and tell somebody else about the meeting and you get them all wrong again since the same generally goes for them with you the whole thing is really a dazzling illusion empty of all perception and yet what are we to do about this terrible significant business of other people is everyone to go off lock the door and sit secluded like the lonely riders do in a soundproof cell summoning people out of words and then proposing that these word people are closer to the real thing than the real people that we mangle with our ignorance every day the fact remains that getting people right is not what living is all about anyway it's getting them wrong that is living getting them wrong and wrong and wrong and then on careful reconsideration getting them wrong again that's how we know we are alive we are wrong Maybe the best thing would be to forget being right or wrong about people and just go along for the ride. But if you can do that, well, lucky you. 
as one of the MCs, Pony stood on stage, flailing the hand that was holding a piece of paper, the event's agenda. She set that paper down to regain her natural rhythm. Now the flailing hand moved as if she was sprinkling holy water onto a column of congregants standing before her. What Pony also seemingly stood on was her last name, bearing a recognition born out of her late father's legacy and the pride it has bestowed upon Pony and her siblings, particularly in Juba, South Sudan's capital. Her co-MC, as it happens, is her younger sibling. She is a backbone for the voiceless, which by proxy makes her a voice for resistance. We're all seen as, as criminals. We're seen as uh, people who are unable to assimilate, mm. although I hate that word. You know, we cannot assimilate, mm. you know. And with assimilation, the other word I hate is tolerant. Now we're tolerated. Mm. All right. What, um, just for the benefit of the audience, what is your beef with assimilation? I shouldn't have to assimilate. Mm. Assimilate means I leave behind what I have come with mm. and take up what is yours. Mm. So I leave behind my being African and Sudanese and Kenyan and most of the things that I've learned mm. and, and now become Australian and pick up, you know, things that are Australian. Why can I not just adopt what I like? Correct. Why can I not just pick that, you know, uh, what aligns with my values? Mm. Why can I not continue with that and not have to drop anything? Right. And why is that required? Why is that a requirement? Well, actually, think about it. Why is that a requirement for anybody to drop anything so that they can just be themselves? Why is that a requirement? So that's why I don't like the word assimilation. Does that is, is that the same uh, feelings for um, tolerance? Or is that different? Tolerance just to me is just negative. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Don't you think that tolerance? Well, I, I think tolerance. I mean, the people that normally use tolerance is because um, I might provide an, an example uh, that. I find that um, having come from Uganda, there was this, um, there was a period where um, all over the news, Uganda was painted as this just poster boy of anti-gay. The laws that were being passed in Uganda, the just just mm. demonizing um, LGBTI. And so, um, just to your poor point of modality, you walk around, you say, I'm from Uganda, you kind of have to exude this friendliness, which I'm not saying that I have the same um, feelings as the, say, Uganda government or whatever, but you end up overextending um, to a performative level that is um, to show you that you're tolerant. Well, maybe what we're talking about is the same thing that I'm okay we with are. you mm. inside of my head. But, mm. but but for me to sort of have to um, perform that is where I was... That's why, you, yeah, I draw the line nowadays. I don't have to justify what everybody else is doing. I can justify what I do, mm. but I can't justify what everyone... I am not Uganda. 
Mm. I am not Museveni, I am not Parliament. <laughs> yeah. You know, but also, uh, um, even with my students, I've learned now to tell them, y- you must exist in a world where you have to be okay with other people's values which do not align with yours. Mm. You know, um, and an example of that is bare minimum, you know, in Africa you're allowed to have as many wives as you can afford. Mm. You have to be okay with that. Mm. You may not agree with it, mm. but be okay with it. Mm. You know, some that's of us are products of that. Mm. That's not tolerance, is it though? No. But that's not tolerance. Mm. That's acceptance. Mm. I accept that that's who you are, mm. or I accept that those are your values. Mm. I like what, uh, what's his name said? Who was his name? What's the Rwandese president called? Kagame. Kagame yeah. yeah. I mean, who, who died and made you guys arbitrage of values? And why must I follow your value? As, as if I have no value, mm. or, or as if we have no value system, you know? And back to that notion of moral panic. Mm. This is what's happening all over the world. We are painted as these people. Mm. You know, that that's who, you know, we're painted as. In Australia itself, in Australia itself, what was the percentage of people who voted yes for that plebiscite, for the marriage site, for, for the marriage equality? Mm. Wasn't it, what, 60, 61% or 62%? You think it was 80 Nearly 40% of Australians voted no. Why am I justifying myself? Mm. Talk to your own people. Right. That, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> Charity begins at home. Before you start looking at Uganda, talk to the 40% who voted no. Start that conversation there. Then come and look at my house. Six months after her mother surprised Pony with a baby brother, when she was seven or eight, she doesn't remember, Pony and her family were ejected by the civil war. What would be the earliest childhood memory that you can remember? My earliest childhood memory? That's fascinating. I, I had such an interrupted childhood. Mm. I think I've blocked a lot of things. Mm. So the earliest thing I can remember, dropping, my mom dropping us off home from school. Age? 27. Okay. So you must have blocked out quite a lot before seven then, huh? Yeah, I don't remember anything before that. I don't think I do. Yeah. But I remember this one because this was really interesting. Dropped us home Mm -hmm. and said she was just going to the hospital for a little bit and coming back. And they came back with Stephen. (laughs) 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 That evening. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So that's. I remember that very well. Yeah. Uh, she didn't look like she was in uh, in labor or anything of that sort. Right. Like she literally drove to the school, picked us up, dropped us back home. Yeah. And said, I'm just going to the hospital for a little bit. I'll be back. How, <laughs> long, how long was she gone for? A few hours. No kidding. No. 
<laughs> and did you know what to make of that? Look, there's 10 of us. So <laughs> by then, all of us were just going, yay. <laughs> Come on. Wow. Um, With such a turbulent upbringing, it is easy to assume or even think that someone like Pony, who has also put up with a culture where girls often come across as, as pushovers, that perhaps her confidence would be shaky. It wasn't. And it showed when the need arose for her to intervene as a bouncer went after an intruder on stage. This was a beefy man dressed in business formal, rising over six foot, and Pony was outsized. To extract the man without causing a start to the proceedings, without the optics of mischaracterizing her as the angry black person, a delicate sequence had to be employed. Piece where you playing bouncer on stage. Do you remember that? Oh, that was. Can you can you walk me through that? Um, with the dance, because look, one of the things that the crowd loves doing is joining us on stage. Mm. If, if dancing competition or you know doing water dancing with their favorite musician, mm. and when we've got some downtime. You know, when you know they're setting up for the next band or something of that sort, mm. it's fun as well. Mm. You know, and it gets the crowd going. Everybody's laughing and enjoying themselves and doing all that stuff. And I didn't realize that that, that the guy who had come up was mm. as inebriated mm. as he was. Mm. And I, and at first, you know, you go, it's harmless. Mm. You 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 don't want to be manhandling right. you know anyone if they're just having a good time right. and not harming anyone right so i was just watching right i was just watching him and oh, just so laughing you, knew, uh, you, you you knew all this time like he was on stage. by the time he had got on stage yeah because he forced his way up all right. okay. and i didn't want to make a big deal because yeah. if i'd made a big deal you see that big someone security guy mm. i was like i don't want mm. <laughs> i don't want him manhandled yeah by the security and also optics optics yeah. optics is 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 important like you know we don't want an incident mm. remember you have to remember 2016 the thing that propelled the south sudanese into the media was mumba yeah. scene of the crime scene mm. <laughs> the crime <laughs> we are at the crime scene <laughs> 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 Yeah. We are at the crime scene. Yeah. I do not want another one you know, to be told, hey, the Africans. Yeah. These are the Africans doing yeah. this, you know. Yeah. And so I saw him, and at first he was just dancing harmlessly. Yeah. Then he decided to turn around and to start doing his shenanigans. And I thought to myself, What do you mean? When he turned around and started thrusting, mm. you know, and I thought, <laughs> inappropriate. Mm. Especially because you're actually on stage with little ones mm. so that's when i had to intervene <laughs> i had to intervene and mm. just quietly you know and i thought to myself better me <laughs> so you do remember <laughs> you do, so you do remember even yeah. the ushering process yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah, do yeah. i remember ushering myself better me than security yeah you know so i just came literally just grabbed him yeah nicely and just you know directed yeah. him in, in a way yeah. led him down the stairs <laughs> back to his people yeah and his people were there just laughing. Oh, really? That was what was more disturbing to me. 
So you've heard Pony mention the fallout from the Mumba Festival years ago, ending up lumping all Africans as criminals, and also the tension from well white Australians pressing Africans to assimilate, and Africans pulling away, refusing to assimilate. It seems to me that a good place to lay out these tensions is to begin by looking at the largest annual gathering of Africans in Australia. What happens leading up to the festival, during the festival, and after the festival, for the rest of the year, when all the Africans and the white Australians return to their ordinariness with a sense of duty towards neighborliness. That's next time on Nice Black Aussies. This show was produced by myself and recorded at the studios at the State Library of Victoria. The passage quoted at the top of the show is from American Pastoral by Philip Roth. Music used is by John Bartman, The Loom, Leswanyika, Kandabongaman, Blue Dot Sessions, and Suku Stars. Additional thanks to Owen, Kicks, and Marina. Mm-hmm.